in talking to people, um, I found that a lot of people are apathetic uh, because caring about politics hurts. It leads to <laughs> frustration. Um, right. And other people are, are interested a bit, but are pretty ignorant about issues because when they do learn about issues, it's extremely frustrating because uh, on just about any issue, there are interesting possibilities, including a lot of them have, you know, appeal to majorities of Americans. Um, and so on people count, they'll be able to, you know, interact simply with a an issue, maybe their top issue, and, you know, see that it goes okay and start seeing what people want and start, you know, grading some reports. So they'll be able to interact without that frustration or without that level of frustration. Welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Aaron Johnson, founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council, with a question for you. What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth? It's simple. Everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, and one collaboration at a time. Today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Ram Strauss, who is a Stanford-educated software engineer, problem solver, and the founder of peoplecount.org, an up-and-coming site that enables voters and politicians to work together to create a constructive, democratic political system serving all voters. I think you will enjoy our conversation about how PeopleCount can co-create a political dialogue that establishes trust in our governmental institutions, and my favorite part of this podcast was when Rand shared his own story of being resigned when it came to politics, and especially how his vision for people count could realistically impact our political discourse and promote higher electoral participation. Hello, this is Renee Beth Poindexter. I am founder of Living the Potential Network, and I am your host for today's podcast. After I wrote the book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, I set out to find ways to engage people which, where they could actually hear what the youth have to say. Um, and that's what this podcast is all about. I love these conversations um, because after listening to the youth's dreams and visions and concerns, we connect them with a mentor, an elder, um, who has experience and wisdom to share in the area that the youth is most interested in, so that there can be a learning and receiving uh, of the innovative side of the youth, and at the same time sharing that way amazing experience. And it's reciprocal learning at its best. I always leave these conversations inspired, and I think you will too. Today we have um, two fabulous guests. Um, our mentor today is Rand Strauss, and he is a Stanford-educated expert and problem solver and software engineer. And in his 40-year career, he has created reliable solutions in complex systems for a wide range of organizations from startups to NASA. Wow. Today, he's the founder of peoplecount.org. Now, this 
is a program that enables voters and politicians to work together to create a constructive democratic political system serving all voters. Let me say that again. <laughs> PeopleCount.org is enabling voters and politicians to work together to create a constructive and democratic political system serving all voters. I'd say that's something we definitely need today. Politicians will be able to be free from the influence of money as well as independent of the parties. And voters will be able to hold politicians accountable even after elections. So Rand is our mentor today, and he's going to be engaging with Erin um, Johnson, who is a young, uh, or I should say, inspired uh, project manager, business owner, writer, author, 19 years old, and a co-founder of the Youth Advisory Council for Living the Potential Network. So it's just great to have you both here today. I'm going to start with you, Rand. Um, so fabulous, your vision and how you came to it. Why don't we just start with, you know, 40 years as a software engineer solving problems and then you design people count. How did that all come about? Tell us a little bit about your journey. So the first 30 years as a software engineer was just a regular career. You know, I was a, a kid in college. Um, uh, I was at the University of Washington, not and finding that wasn't, I, I wasn't meeting a lot of interesting people, um, which was mainly me, but then I transferred into Stanford and uh, it was wonderful, opened my eyes. Um, I discovered computers and programming. Uh, they actually didn't have a computer science undergraduate degree back in uh, 1980, but uh, uh, I did an applied math degree and then stayed on for a master's in computer science. And I just sort of fell into it. Uh, when I was 28, I uh, took uh, the Landmark Forum, uh, which is a self-help and you know personal growth Mm -hmm. course. And my eyes were opened up to all new sides of, of life. Uh, I got married after that. I have two kids in graduate school and, you know, continued to have to work as a software engineer in all sorts of positions. And it dawned on me later that, you know, what I really loved about programming was problem solving. I excelled in that in school. Um, and I have lots of stories, but it was really spending time on a tough problem that, that I loved. And then about 20 years ago, we had the 9-11 uh, and uh, Bush started wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and destabilized the Middle East. Um, to my wife and I, they were just really obvious mistakes. And while I emailed or contacted my senators and representative, you know, it, it didn't amount to anything. Um, and then 10 years ago, um, so back to when I was 28 and took that course, I, I took courses for just a few years um, before I went on and got married. Um, 
so 10 years ago, uh, I happened to, or about 13 years ago, I started taking courses again. And during 9-11, um, now let's see. It, it, I'm sorry, it was about 13 years ago. So that was like seven years uh, after 9-11. I started taking courses again. And then in 2011, I took this interesting course, uh, a 10-month course over five weekends um, of, of looking at life newly. And uh, we talked about our way of being. And we didn't talk about politics, but I realized that I was resigned about politics. And, you know, being a problem solver, I knew that resignation made me part of the problem. And I didn't want to be part of the problem of politics, uh, you know, as it, it made me part of the environment that allowed the problem to be. So I gave up my resignation. This was in uh, the beginning of 2011. And I looked at politics newly and I was interested in, you know, what I had missed, uh, political developments on the internet. Um, and there wasn't too much. Yeah. And Can I, I ask you I a quick to... question? Can I ask you a quick question? Because sure. when you say you were resigned about politics, that you had a resignation about it, what does that mean? So um, back in uh, 2001, uh, I, it was in, in 2002, it was frustrating that I couldn't get some of my wisdom to my senators and representatives, I couldn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like there were some much better decisions that could be made. And it was very frustrating. And, you know, uh, first thousands and then tens of thousands of people died, many more were injured, millions were mm -hmm. thrown out of their homes. It was upsetting. And, uh, like most people, I don't want to think about that stuff. So right, I right. shut down those emotions. And so when you say you were resigned, it was kind of like, who's, you're just one person. You can't really make a difference. The system's operating without you. And you're just resigned to that. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that there was nothing I could do. Right. And from that place, something else started. When you recognized that resignation, it became kind of a moment. We call it an epiphany, right? that started the ball rolling. I just want to make sure that we mark that out because a lot of people are thinking like, yeah, well, what is good. resignation? What am I resigned about? What difference can I make? You know, am I just going to complain about it or I'm going to do something about it? You know, right? Right. In the midst of that intense frustration, um, I turned away, you know, tried to recoup. Um, but unconsciously I had, sort of shut myself down. And it turns out, I've learned since that, you know, when we shut down our emotions about one thing, we tend to shut down our emotions about everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I let go of my resignation and got involved and did research. Right. But it turned out there was still no good way to be a responsible citizen you know, other than voting. Um, and in this course, uh, we were talking about ourselves and language and what conversations were new and 
we were looking at how much of our of what we say daily was old, sort of recycled. Um, so I and, and we were looking for ways to have a new conversation. So I started asking people, uh, what would it be like if we had a political system we loved? And so for two months, I started having these new conversations with people and people were taken aback, <laughs> um, didn't know what to say. And it was real clear that this was sort of a blind spot in our culture. Um, and we didn't get too much out of it, but you know, out of having these conversations over and over, I saw that there was a lot of potential, a lot was possible if we would just design the system we wanted instead of, you know, being resigned about it uh, as most of society seemed to be. And for the next two months, I started having a conversation with people about, you know, would it be worthwhile to fix our political system? I mean, I, I had no hope or thought of fixing it actually, but, mm -hmm. Uh, it was also a new conversation. So I did that as part of the homework. And at the end of that, uh, and people pretty much said yes. Most people were thinking that it was too big to fix, that it was, you know, it's a huge institution or a collection of institutions. Um, and then after that, I, I wondered, you know, well, what's wrong with politics? <laughs> And mm -hmm. so, you know, being an expert problem solver, I did a problem solving exercise. And in the beginning, mostly that's trying to understand what goes on. I mean, in the beginning, you know, there were all sorts of people to blame. I just talked to a lot of people and, and most people in America seem to think that most politicians are corrupt. Um, and then there are lobbyists to blame. And then there's the other party and then there's my party as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I knew that as long as people were to blame, I was thinking inside the box. Um, and so as I delved further and saw what was happening, finally things gelled that I started seeing that everybody's doing what looks appropriate to them. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's trying their hardest. Uh, some are in politics are trying hard to serve people. There are a few that are trying hard to serve themselves. Um, but as I saw that, uh, I began to see that actually, I mean, in a sense, the system was working. There was no part of it that was broken, even though when we look at it from the outside, it seems that every part is broken. Every part from voters to voting and elections to you know, the political dis discourse, there are problems in every arena, which is really, or every, every aspect, which is really strange for a system to be that broken. Um, and so I kept looking and I saw that um, for democracy to work reliably, politicians need to be accountable to voters. And they weren't. I mean, I thought to myself, if I were a politician, how would I deliver accountability? And, and actually, I, I knew from a course 30 years ago that, uh, or in the beginning, when I started taking courses, 
that accountability is the responsibility to give a full account for what's going on. Um, and I defined it even further, more rigorously, that accountability is a relationship. So if I'm accountable to you, um, yes, I need to answer your questions and give you a full account, but I'm accountable to you for something, which is like in a employee-manager relationship mm -hmm. where I pretty much do what you tell me, you know, according to the job spec. And, uh, and that there was no way to enforce that relationship. We just didn't have that. Uh, and I knew that relationships mainly consist of communication, you know, role-based communication. Um, so there was no way for you, the voter, to tell the politician what you want, um, no way to tell each other what you want so you could be the manager together and no way to hold me to it. Um, and that usually that happens, that as a manager holds an employee to what they're supposed to do with their judgment, you know, approval mm -hmm. or disapproval. And it's that communication, you know, I've been working for 30 years that, you know, gives the employee the guidance. Um, and we didn't have that, but at the same time, that was all communication, which, you know, we've had breakthroughs with uh, on the web. Right. And so I, I started to see that something new was possible. That's amazing. So what I love about your process, and so people listening to this, and I'm sure specifically for Aaron, this idea of being a problem solver and knowing what questions to ask along the way. It's like you didn't have the answer and it was okay that you didn't have the answer because a lot of people don't start a project until they have it all figured out. <clears throat> but you've got to have these guiding questions and each question you asked led to the next, that led to the next, that led to the next. Yeah, so, so this um, idea about accountability and the connection to communication has to be two-way for the system to actually be upgraded. You know, there has to be a better communication than the way we've had it. So were those their seeds, the seeds for your peoplecount.org? Is that how it came to be? And if so, how could you describe how that came together and where you are with the project now? Yeah, about problem solving, you know, there's this thing that's said nowadays that everybody's a problem solver. And while it's true, uh, that's why I call myself an expert problem solver. Um, and what makes me an expert are two things. One is, you know, a background of solving lots and lots of puzzles in school, um, as well as problems at work. But the other is that I can sit with a problem for days or weeks or months and get it to gel and see what's going on. Uh, part of my research was looking at books about what's wrong with politics. And there are these uh, surface level problems and people dive beneath it and pick something like uh, one book is on how we've sorted ourselves into the two parties. So the conservative party is full of 
you know, pure conser- or is purely con- uh, made up of conservatives and the liberal party is purely made up of liberals or progressives. Um, and that makes the groups more divisive. Uh, another one uh, book says that the problem is that there's not much uh, competition in political in elections. Um, and yet beneath those are deeper problems. And, and as I said, all of those seem to be caused by this lack of accountability. And even the money's huge power in elections and in stopping or allowing legislation. Um, so it's, it's going deep, deep into it and understanding everything. And often that's difficult, especially in a big problem like politics. I mean, it, right. you know, I can picture this big mind map with all these arrows going lots of different places, but coming to the same issue about accountability and communication and having more voices be heard. Yeah. So So part of it, part of the problem solving is um, I just happen to have a mind that does it well. And, and some of it I know, but a lot of it, I don't know, you know, it's just a, God-given thing, you know, thank God I have a talent. Yeah, exactly. uh, But you're leveraging this talent as a problem solver to something that's really needed today more so than ever. But what I was going to say is that, is that the other part of it is that um, I have high standards that a big part of problem solving is checking everything. Um, And that's what you know, we tend not to do in simple everyday problems. It, you know, it's not as necessary. We just wait till we feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's kind of like looking at the long-term effect of choices and decisions made by looking at all aspects, let's say 360 degrees on a circle. And I would like you to speak just a little bit about what people, how all this has come into peoplecount.org because then we're going to open it. I'd love Aaron to come in and he, I know he's got some really good questions uh, related to your work. So could you give a brief description of, you've given us the background on why would something like peoplecount.org be needed? You kind of got your thought process. Now what? What is peoplecount.org and what can people learn about it? Um, being a part of the solution moving forward. If you liked what you heard and want to listen to the rest of this incredible conversation, you can do so by visiting livingthepotential.com forward slash membership and create a completely and forever free account with us. And if you're interested, check out the first two chapters of Renee Beth's book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, which you can also find at livingthepotential.com forward slash book. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.